Too many who know the angles Uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle be in Dapper Dan Gavostin, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which definitely count. And I'm mischievous Mark Ginocchio, and Dan, I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals don't count. Well, welcome everybody to the Amazing Spider-Talk, the show where two fans and collectors uncover the strange, fun, and fascinating history of the Spider-Man comic universe. This is one of our review episodes of Amazing Spider Talk, so we hope you're excited to talk about these comics with us. Yeah, if you want to swing along with us on our journey through Spidey's past, present, and future, subscribe to Amazing Spider Talk on your favorite podcast app. Every other week, we put out a mainline episode of our flagship show, and sprinkled in between, we review new comics as well as interview some of the greatest Spider-Man creators of yesterday and today. This is the perfect time to start listening. But Dan, as you noted today on the show, you and I are going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 85, entitled Beyond, Chapter 11. This issue was written by Cody Ziegler, with pencils from Paco Medina, inks from Walden Wong, Wayne Foucher, Paco Medina, Andrew Hennessy, Victor Alizaba, and Roberto Poggi, colors by Espen uh, Grudegem, and a cover by Arthur Adams and Alejandro Sanchez Rodriguez. And of course, letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. This issue was first released in comic book stores on January 12th, 2021. What's new? Mark, have we ever had this many inkers on a single issue of Amazing Spider-Man before? You know, count them, six of them for 20 pages. It's kind of amazing. And, and you know, it, it makes you wonder, what what was it about Paco Medino's pencils that required so many inkers? I, I, I didn't quite see it. <laughs> I, I can't even begin to describe it. But, I mean, you know, weirdly cohesive. I, I wouldn't have noticed if that title page didn't tell me so. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Why don't you walk us through what happened in this issue? Yeah, sure. So here we go. My summary of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 85. Dr. Octopus casually waltzes through the entrance to Beyond HQ, suggesting that the events taking place are obviously a drill. Yeah. Otto works, his <laughs> Otto works his way through R&D, speaking with a talking fish straight out of Cat in the Hat and eventually finds a room full of sentient sandwiches. But eventually he confirms what he's long thought, that Beyond Corporation is reverse engineering his Parker Industries technologies. 
His progress is halted when he runs into Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Ben, meanwhile, blasts his way to Beyond HQ on his glide pack, which he secretly added afterburners to. Otto defeats Misty and Colleen and makes his way towards Maxine's office. Maxine refuses to hide and confronts Otto as he asserts that he will steal his Spider-Man tech back from her. Otto goes in for the kill and is stopped by Spidey. Ben manages to catch Otto off guard, forcing him to detach his arms. Ben destroys the arms and launches himself and Otto out of the Beyond building. Otto mocks Ben as being a lapdog for Beyond, which prompts Ben to attack him violently, reiterating that he will prove to everyone that he's been chosen by Beyond for a reason. Otto agrees, but not for the reason Ben thinks. It turns out that he was chosen to be part of Beyond because he is psychologically compromised. Ben finds Otto's data intriguing and lies to Maxine when he returns, suggesting the stolen drive was destroyed. Ben asks why he was chosen by Beyond, and Maxine seemingly lies, suggesting that it was his strong will and determination. In a shower later, after talking with Janine, he punches his mirror, shattering it into the shape of his faceless memories, embracing that from here on out, he'll be a brand new man. All right, Mark, that's Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, Number 85. What do you think generally of, of this comic? I think at points during the last run on this book that we're just kind of treading water here, you know? Like, you know, there were, there were some elements of this book that were intriguing. You know, we got a nice long multi-page fight between Ben and Otto. The, the the characterization of a lot of these guys just feels off and like you know I, we just we just keep going over the same thematic beats over and over again and you know there's a there's a part towards the end where it's actually Ben to Otto being like what's your end game here and you know it kind of makes me wonder with Marvel and this 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 creative team right now like what's the end game to the story because I'm just not seeing where it's going like what are we what are what are we trying to get out of it you know what are we, what are we trying to learn as readers from all of these activities i don't know it's 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 very up in the air right now uh what about you i feel very similarly i just think a lot of it is a fundamental dysfunction in storytelling like i i would love to read the pitch for this book because whatever it is i don't feel like it's on the page. Like I would imagine the pitch would be a bit stronger and more straightforward than this. Like what is Ben's goal? What is Beyond's goal? How do those things not fit well together? And instead I feel like we're getting like fits and starts of different ideas that I don't really know that I can grab onto. Like what is it that Ben wants? Does he just want to be with Janine and be Spider-Man or does he need to prove himself to, to, to other people or, you know, like X, you know, on and on and on. I don't know what it is to, to cling on to. And so I actually appreciated this issue because I felt like there were some things that moved forward here. But the way that they moved forward felt really inorganic, like Ben suddenly lashing out at Otto. I don't felt like that anger to prove himself was really earned in the pages leading up to this. And that might be a misfunction of the rotating team that not everybody's on the same page about how all these elements are being communicated. But I, I, I don't know what to latch onto in terms of what it is I'm supposed to be in investing my emotional energy into. Talking about the, the rotating creative team. I mean, we're back with Cody Ziegler here. You know, we, 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 we talk a little bit about 
Ziggler's humor in the last issue. You know, there was a, a flaccid octo arm joke in one of the pages last time. Was kind of uh, a little more keyed into what was the tone and the humor of this book going to be like? Because, I mean, when when this whole project started, I kind of pegged Ziggler for being the most tonally similar to Zeb Wells, who I've kind of, you know, pegged as the as the mastermind of, of the beyond creative process. Wells has the capacity to be, you know, have, you know, have some good humor in there. We've, we dealt with this with Chip Zdarsky, too, when he wrote Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, this idea of like, yeah, Spider-Man is a funny character, but like, should it truly be a funny book or at least funny in this way? I mean, like you referred to it in your summary. We had uh, talking fishes. We had talking sandwiches. What what are we doing here? Like what like this is like like this is not funny the way Spider-Man's funny and frankly it's just not funny in my opinion. I just thought it was kind of dumb. <laughs> did, did you have any any reaction to kind of the tone and the humor of the book? Yeah, definitely I did. You know, this this writer Cody Ziegler comes from Rick and Morty and a lot of those jokes feel like something directly out of Rick and Morty, like one of the dimensions they might go to or something like that. And I mean to be honest, it is like consistent tonally with beyond from next wave agents of hate, but that was like a straight up comedy satire book that many people argued at the time wasn't in the Marvel six one six universe because how like tonally different it was. And I just feel like, again, this gets back to my previous complaint, which is like pick a lane. Like I, I want to know if you have an idea, go with it full hearted. And like, if beyond is going to be this silly corporation that I can't really buy into, then like make them super silly and fun in that way. But if they're supposed to be this scary, like organization that is manipulating everybody, then it's gotta be that. I don't know that those things fit together. You know, like if they're going to steal Otto's brain swapping tech and use it to put people's brains in sandwiches, like, okay, fine. But that's a different book than the book where beyond is supposed to be scary. Like why not show, use, you know, Otto's brain swapping tech and show them creating their own Spider-Man or something, you know, something that we could actually be a little bit more afraid of. I just, it, it's things like this that make it like hard for me to read all the elements of the book as working together. Yeah. And then like you bring in Misty and Colleen and they're like cracking jokes and they're like, they're, they're acknowledging that the jokes are groaners and I'm just like, this this doesn't help, but you're acknowledging that your humor sucks. I'm sorry. Like, like what is this here? And, you know, they're like making fat jokes about each other. I'm just like, what am I reading here? This doesn't feel like you said, like this is this is it feels like Rick and Morty. Uh, not that I watch a ton of it, but, you know, from what I've seen of it. That's the show with the pickle, right? <laughs> it, it is. It is. <laughs> and then and then even Otto, I mean, like he just it just feels off. I mean, like I, I, I've been saying this every issue now that Otto shows up in. Like, I'm, all I want is like classic. If we're gonna get Doc Ock back the way he was, although like I'm still questioning from the mechanics of how he was brought back if he should even be remembering the Parker Industries tech. But I guess he does now. I don't know. I like, went back and reread the the Scarlet Spider or, or not Scarlet Spider, the Superior Spider-Man Volume Two thing. And in there, it does spell out that he'll remember this stuff, but he won't remember the lessons that he learned. But that wasn't how it was written in the Nick Spencer run. 
which has me confused. So it's like it's consistent, but the Nick Spencer run wasn't. But then I don't know if Otto remembers that Peter is Spider-Man because like if he remembers Parker Industries, I don't know how he doesn't make that connection, but whatever. It's confusing and, you know, more than just the problem with this issue, I think it's just a problem that don't make a big change like this in a B title at the very last issue of a B title that nobody read and then don't like really make it so that it's clear to everybody what the status quo of one of Spider-Man's biggest enemies is. But I I agree with you generally. I think Otto's kind of had the edges sanded off of him here. He's not really that scary more than he is just kind of silly. I, I, I don't know if it really works for me all that much. Now, meanwhile, in terms of like Ben and his relationship to beyond here, I mean, you, you, you said it earlier, you know, this whole idea of staying in staying in the lane here. Like what, what, do you, what, what, what is the thing that we're going for here? So like, I don't know, like the, the first and foremost is like, and I don't think this is what Marvel is trying to accomplish here. But what's coming across to me is, I guess, as the reader, I'm really supposed to believe that Ben is an idiot. And by that, I mean, like, he, you know, like when he's having his fight with Otto and like Otto is just like, you know, you're just a lap dog beyond is no good. And he and, and like Ben is like acting surprised, like, oh, how would you, you know, like, what do you know? Kind of a thing. And it's like, dude, like we've been seeing like we the reader have been seeing this, but like you've been seeing it like with the, it's not like it's not like, you know, they're doing stuff behind closed doors and, and that only we, the reader, are privy to. And Ben isn't. I mean, he's seen how they're manipulating him and manipulating Janine and, you know, like lecturing him and scolding him and, and threatening to take away what they've given him. And it's like and he's still acting surprised. Like, I mean, is he really this dumb? I mean, I, I, I don't know. You want your hero to be this dumb if that's the case. I just don't know that, like, I buy that for Ben either. Like, if anybody has had to deal with gaslighting in their life, it's Ben Riley, right? Like, his whole existence, he has been struggling with, you know, people manipulating him and him trying to kind of carve out a space for himself as his own man to, like, have him be, like, so much the company boy. Although he will, he'll claim page to page that he's not like I'm building my own afterburners and stuff like that, which is like fine. It's like, it's two conflicting things. He's either subverting them with the tech and becoming his own rogue man and trying to split from this company or he's not. But then I also don't know what this company is truly giving him that allows him to be Spider-Man more than just going out and being Spider-Man. Like we had the fight with, with him and Otto and like, I, I, I liked I both liked it and and then kind of got turned off by it. I mean, what I liked certainly, I mean, it was it was, you know, a good slobber knocker, which we ha- we haven't had in a in a spider book for a while, at least between two main characters, heroes and villains. I mean, you know, there's been kind of some silly, silly multi-page fights uh, in recent years. Well, first of all, like I, I kind of was getting a little tired of of the trope that they kept through. You know, it was like. Okay, you got me on the ropes, but now I got one more trick up my sleeve. And then it's like, but I got one more trick up my sleeve. And it's like, you know, like they're they're trying to play this like, you know, this card game with each other during this fight. But like at the same token, it never really felt like Ben was on the ropes. It just kind of felt like they were trying to tell us he was. But I didn't sense that from the visualization of of how like Medina and the the team of inkers laid it out. <laughs> you know, that that was a little off-putting to me and 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 then frankly like 
you know, like, okay, he, he's, he's getting physical and, and, and you alluded to this earlier and like kind of starting to beat Otto to a bloody pulp because Otto is kind of challenging his manhood. You know, what, what was it about this in particular that finally caused Ben to snap? Because, you know, if this was something that was supposed to be building for the last three or four issues, that's not what came across in the pages. And I just think it's such a lazy go-to at this point to have like Spider-Man get unhinged and 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 just beat someone to a bloody pulp to the point of almost killing them. Like, uh, I mean, this might sound kind of like I, I I was criticizing No Way Home for the same thing, you know. And and I think that that's more earned than this one is. But like, I I don't know that like the close-ups of blood flying off of someone, you know and Spider-Man losing it. It just seems like we've gotten this so much. I mean, in superior, it felt scary, right? Like, like I think about him with the razor claws in issue one of superior, or I believe it was issue nine. Was it nine or was it eight of superior where he like tears up the jester on, on the rooftop? That was upsetting too. And here I'm just like, I've seen this trope before and I not, I don't know why it's happening. I couldn't get into the psychology of this moment. And and at least in Superior, like, you know, the edge was brought on by the fact that, like, you knew, it was Otto Octavius of Spider-Man, so you knew he could snap at any minute. Whereas here, it's like, you know, well, you know, Ben's, Ben's characterization over the last five or six years has been all over the map, granted. But, like, I don't know, like, he's still kind of been, like, aw shucks, lovable, whatever, throughout the run of this book, despite what preceded beyond so like i don't know like where, where is this coming from and and like yes we, we it, it it kind of ends with the visualization that you know i guess they've been technically building towards since the very first issue of beyond which was the you know ben kind of punching the mirror and getting the faceless ben in the mirror to kind of mirror obviously what what he's been having in his visions and his dreams and you know i i, I kind of tip my hat that that's how they got there but like was that truly earned in the, over the course of this story, you know, to quote you earlier? I don't think it was. I, 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 I think more work needed to be put into it than what they did here. And, and considering we're 11 issues in, they had plenty of time to earn it and they didn't. It's funny. Like I, I still feel almost like I do right when this run started, which is, you know, Zeb Wells, I think did as good a job as you could expect to kind of like get to like, sidetrack us into this beyond era thing but like it it felt so random that we're getting these stories about ben riley and beyond it came out of nowhere and i feel the same about like everything about this book i'm like okay like what is the reason this exists give me the reason this exists show me what this is about why this matters who these characters are, give me a definitive take on this. And I, I don't know that like we're there. And then the whole time I'm thinking, well, now I just want Peter back because all the Peter issues for the most part have felt definitive to me. Like I know this character, I can see a clear journey that he's on and I just want to like forget all this Ben stuff. Yeah, I don't want to be flip here, Dan, but like this book, this book's boring without Peter. It really is like the the, the most compelling stuff that we've had so far 
outside of the there's a monster in the basement has has been the Peter focused stuff. And when you get an issue like this one that is 100% focused on the Ben Riley arc, which is so muddied and unclear, it, it it's I mean maybe boring's too strong of a word, but it's just it does it doesn't emotionally grab me the way the Peter stuff does right now. And and that's unfortunate because you know, this was supposed to kind of be the the palate cleanser of, from Peter for a bit. And a lot of people were excited by that. And, you know, when you get stories like this, it kind of justifies the people that were cynical about taking Peter out of the book for a period. And, and, and that's what we're getting. So, alas. If you want more Peter in your life, you know, you can read other comics or maybe you can talk to some other lovers of the character online. Mark, where could people do that? Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a great place for lovers of Spider-Man is where hundreds of listeners like you hang out in our community of Spider-Man fans on the Slack. The amazing Spider Slack community is absolutely free to join and you can jump into active conversations with awesome people about collecting conventions, movies, new comics, old comics, and more. You know, I should start a, like a dating channel on the Slack now that we're talking mm. about lovers. Oh gosh. Um, you know, one of our one of our listeners uh, started up this whole thing. He was on a train, and he sat down next to, uh, or it was an airplane, and he sat down next to this woman who noticed his Spider-Man stuff on his phone, and they got to talking about Marcos Martin, and she knew all of them, and she was an artist herself, and then he rushed off the plane because he didn't have time to talk to her about it and didn't get her number and he was like kicking himself and we were all cheering him on in the slack like no maybe we can find it out so who knows but if you were if you were listening to this and you happened to be on a mass <laughs> transit device i think it was a plane and you sat next to a guy with spider-man on the phone and you thought he was cute send us an email or come onto our slack and maybe we can solve this. Yes, we're starting a dating channel. Say, this is Miss, on the Slack. Misconnection Slack Slack edition. Okay, there yeah, we go. Yeah, there we go. Spider-Man Misconnection. So, uh, so anyway, if you want to join our awesome Spider-Man community where we're setting people up apparently, just follow the link in the description and be sure to say hi. And uh, once you are there, uh, be sure to let us know what you thought of this episode and 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 all the books that we talk about. All right, Dan. So, so what else do we want to talk about in 85 here? Yeah, well, I mean, we've talked a little bit about, like, for me, for Ben, you know, and his characterization here, but I kind of wanted to, like, just really kind of dive into this a, a little bit and where we think this is headed, because the end of this really kind of worried me. First of all, there's, like, the bit with him kind of flying off the handle, and, and I just found that that's so disparate from what we've been getting thus far. Like, yeah, maybe Maxine's lectures could have gotten to him, and he like feels like I really got to prove myself. Although last time we saw him, he was saying like, hey, Miles, like see you around Spider-Man. So he doesn't seem all that like uh, gatekeepery about the name of Spider-Man. But like, I'm really worried now that we've got the solicits through the end of Beyond that show like Ben fighting Peter. Like, I'm going to be really disappointed in this run if we see Ben go evil even if he's being manipulated by his memories, because I just think the storytelling has been so unclear. Like I just can't draw a straight line through this. And I just wanted to flag, like if we're going to get another evil Ben Riley story out of this, that's going to be really disappointing to me, I think. Yeah. I mean, and not to mention that like 
we got that already a few years ago with Dead No More. So like, why are we why are we rehashing that? I I, I mean, okay, yeah, sure. We 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 bring back villains all the time, but like, you know, why redeem a character only to sh- shunt them back into <laughs> another path again? It doesn't make much sense. Uh, it's not like it's not like it was ancient history. So that 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 just strikes me as odd. Plus, also you have this you know J.M. Demetrius uh, miniseries with Ben that's launching this week. So again, like why are we, why are we you know why make us care about the character and like the lost chapter of his life if you're just gonna farm him out as you know Spider Man fodder down the down the line? I don't know. I I but at the same token, Dan, I don't see where else this can go right now based on at least the events of this issue. It just you know and we could talk about whether it's earned or makes sense or organic, and I don't think it's either, but. I what where are we going then? You know what 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 are we trying to get out of this? I I it's so unclear to me. I mean, it's been unclear to me from the beginning, but it's not becoming clearer. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of that ending where he says, "I'm going to be a brand new man," and it's faceless? Like, I mean, there's a version of that's just like that's him saying, "I'm going to take down Beyond from the inside because they see me as weak or 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 whatever or manipulatable." And he's going to like put up his guards, but that's not really how I read like him punching a mirror. Like that seems like a guy that is angry and looking for a place to release that anger. You know, even the fact that he didn't share all of that with Janine, right? Like she comes to him and he says to her also that the thing was destroyed. So there's a certain level of like distrust between the two of them. Like to me, this seems like a guy that's bottling up something that's going to get released somewhere. You know, I've seen covers, not the covers are to be believed, you know, but it, it, it worries me a little bit, you know, that like we're going to see this guy responding to being gaslit in, in a really like ugly way, so to speak. Yeah. Let me, let me prove to them. I'm not psychologically weak by being very psychologically unstable and weak, I guess. I don't know. It my takeaway similar to yours, Dan, was that this is someone that's about to go over the deep end. And and I don't know how exactly that's going to manifest, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be kind on the character at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, like we're half, we're over halfway through this. Right. And so like, to me, story arc wise, not that I felt like this has really followed a really clear story arc, but like, this would be the point for the climax, right? The character makes a choice and then there's falling action that of all the, you know, all the consequences of that choice, you know? And like, I don't know how much I want to see Ben make bad choices, you know, after just being kind of like randomly plucked from Spider-Man obscurity to be headlining this title. Like uh, it just seems like a weird thing to do to the character. And again, I'm not judging this book off of that because I need to see that happen. But the signaling here does worry me. Now, I mean, but what about even just the whole like psychological manipulation of Ben? I mean, because like this, like even that to me, I think falls into question. I mean, and it has from the beginning. It's it's, you know, like the question that I keep coming back to and has still remained unanswered is what exactly does Beyond have on Ben to to kind of, you know, subvert the character in this way and to make him submit in this way, you know, like. You know, what we've seen throughout this arc is he's just kind of this almost like young, inexperienced version of Spider-Man. And and we know him 
to be not that. I mean, you know, there's there there is over what thirty years of stories that should say otherwise with this character. So what 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 gives here? Like what 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 do, what do you take? What's your takeaway in terms of how Beyond is pulling the strings? I mean, like is that cl- clearer to you than it is to me? Well, I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I don't know how to read it because it di- I don't recognize Ben here, right? Like, like for me, Ben is the guy that like saw another Spider-Man and took off like on his lost years journey without a desire to really claim that mantle. He was really out to figure out who he is, you know, and I wouldn't call him immature and experienced. If anything, he's the more jaded of the two characters you know like he saw another person living his life and chose to kind of redefine himself in his own way and that's why i find so odd about all of this in terms of beyond we got those two kind of backup stories we got the free comic book day story and we got the in the backups at the end of the spencer run but like beyond just kind of approached him while he was superheroing and was like where you can upgrade you and we never really saw the onboarding of that, right? So we never got truly to learn what Ben saw in this company as something to like up his game or what he felt was lacking. And before we knew it, we were kind of on board here. And to me, that's where some of the, the kind of missing elements are. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm grateful that Zeb Wells is writing the next issue because I feel like if anybody could write this thing back on path, it's him there's just a lot of like missing elements that keep me from like engaging with this thing on the level that like, I think it thinks we're engaging with it. Do you want to give this thing a score? Yeah. I'm going to give this thing a C plus be a notch below you. Give it a solid C. All right, great. Well, Hey everybody, thanks for uh, tuning in. You know, if, if you enjoyed this show, you know, even if it's two old guys harping on comics, we would love your help recommending Amazing Spider Talks, spreading our audience. Talk to a friend or if you have someone at your comic book store that you think would really dig it, tell them about Amazing Spider Talk. But if you really love Amazing Spider Talk and you want more of it, why not become a member on our Patreon? Yeah, I mean, these two old men can only yell at clouds and bring you this content with the support of our Patreon members. And we owe this show's success to every single one of them. And we are constantly making exclusive content for our members. Yeah, so that $3.99 exactly that's sitting in your pocket, just jiggling with all that change that you were going to spend on a new comic and be potentially disappointed or thrilled it's possible you could be thrilled by a comic it still happens you know you could also take it and put it towards a month subscription to uh, support the show and start receiving our patreon content because mark and i we never disappoint right mark no and and we can probably turn around an episode faster than you can get one of marvel's digital comics these days so oh that's true too (laughs) yeah 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 well you know so if you join up you'll hear all of our patreon exclusive review podcasts like this very one on every new issue of Amazing Spider-Man the same week they come out, instead of waiting three months for them to arrive in our public podcasting feed. And if you contribute $10 a month, you gain access to exclusive artwork from famous Spider-Man artists commissioned exclusively for our members. 
Plus, every episode, we release a new episode-specific desktop background created for us by artist Nick Cagnetti for our patrons to enjoy. Depending on when you listen to this, I saw Nick's preview for uh, the Secret Wars episode we're going to do in the mainline show, Dan, and woo, that is some that is some swank artwork, Nick, so uh, always appreciated. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen the whole thing, and uh, Mark, you're going to really dig it for sure. You know, and I'm, I'm we're even, I, I've been talking to Nick about this. I might release some posters soon of all of his artwork for the various seasons that he's done, like put together season by season. So, you know, th- that's an idea I'm kicking around and I think I'm going to make it happen because I'm not content on just sending out one piece of Nick's art to everybody. Why not send out like all of it for each of our seasons? So uh, that's something I might play around with. Anyway, we know this is a hard time for everybody as it is for us too. So we appreciate anyone who supports the show just by listening and sharing. But if you do have the means, please consider joining our Patreon to support our continued existence of the show. You can follow the link in the description to the show, wherever you get your show notes or on the website. It'll send you right to our Patreon. And again, a thank you to everybody who already makes our show possible. Dan, it is that time. Time for all good things to come to an end. So we want to say thank you to you, the listeners and viewers, for tuning in to this episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumzer. Our theme songs were produced by Rylan Bojack, Tony Thaxton, and Spider Madge. So, Mark... Until we invite on a guest who's a talking sandwich, what's our motto? As long as that sandwich isn't a Montreal bagel with Canadian bacon, Dan, our motto, of course, is with great podcasts, there must also come the amazing spider talk. And Mark, if we did invite on a guest who was a talking sandwich, what would it sound like if they said our motto? (laughs) What does a sandwich sound like, Dan? (laughs) Um, You're the voices guy. Oh, man. What great podcast. There must also come the amazing spider talk, you see, because if it's a sandwich for me, it's an Italian sandwich, all right? Forget about it. Fair enough. (laughs) 